You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm Michael Jamin. You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. I'm here with Phil Hudson. Hey Phil. What's up? What's up? And uh, today, well, we're just going to dive right into it, people. We don't, we don't mess around here. Today, we're going to talk about something that people seem to overlook a lot. They don't think hard enough about uh, when they write their screenplays. And this applies to whether you're writing a teleplay, a movie, whatever. Uh, so the episode today is called, Let's Talk About Page One of Your Script. Phil, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about page one. I love that because this is the hardest part for most people. It's the hardest part. And you, you don't understand how crucial it is. I think there's, at least when I, you know, my partner, you've sold a couple of movies and remember the very first time we wrote, the first movie we wrote, uh, like I had this image in my mind that, um, you know, we, we gave it to our feature agent and then it, it all leads up to a big release. I mean, they really put a lot of work into this. Uh, we were working, it was like he was strategizing how it was going to be released and he was building a lot of uh, like expectation for it. And he's like, this is the day, guys. It's Friday. We're going to send it out for the weekend read. This is the day. Cross your fingers. We'll know by Monday. And uh, so it was really very, he really hyped it up. In my mind, I guess I thought it was, a, I, I guess it was such an important event for me and my partner and my agent <laughs> that I assumed it was going to be an important event for everyone else reading it. And it just doesn't work that way. So like what happens is executives, everyone, and this applies to TV and film, they have something called the weekend read, whereas like, you know, they've been working all week and they do whatever their meetings and projects, whatever the hell they have to do. And on the weekend, you think they get some time to relax, but they don't. This is when they actually have to read, prepare for next week. And they'll take home these, these executives take home like stacks of scripts that they have to get through. And, oh my God, it just seems like a nightmare. Like, I don't know who knows how many they have to read, but you know, it could easily be a dozen. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And so if you're wanting that stack of a dozen, they're not like in my mind, they were going to be like, they're taking my script and they were going to, you know, sit by the fireplace and mm. open a bottle of wine, really just, you know, enjoy the hell out of it. But in reality, these people have lives. They don't want to do this on the weekend. They've already worked all week. They want to be with their kids. They want to go out to dinner. They want to do whatever they want to do on the weekends. And the last thing I, I imagine they'd want to do is, is more work, even though it's kind of fun work, it's still work. And so all of us, we spend, screenwriters, we spend a lot of time, you know, we spend months writing this script, right? And every comma is perfect. There's no typos, there's nothing. And we all have this expectation that, that these people are gonna give it the respect that it deserves. It just doesn't work that way. So the reality is they have so much to do and you can understand that why they might be a little lazy about it because they have to get to this whole stack of scripts and they really want to do other things and you can't blame them. And so even if they have the best intentions, they are going to be on the third script. They're going to be like, wait a minute, which character is this? Oh yeah. Mm. Which story am I following? Who's, who's who? Oh, that was the last script. Even if they have the best intentions. So my partner, our strategy was always to come out, and really smack them in the mouth on page one with something really like a big joke, really hard joke, something that would make, even if it was like over the top because something edgy and something unexpected because to me it was like, wake up stupid. I need you to wake up because this is my career. Wake up because you are falling asleep at the wheel and I don't blame you, but I have to wake you up because this is important to me. 
And so it was always about what can we do on page one that can smack them in the mouth and not wait to page 30 because at that point, wait, they're already lost interest. Like they're not thinking about it the way you want, you expect them to think about it, you know? Yeah. So a couple thoughts come to my mind there as you're laying that out. So you answer the question what the weekend read is and you talk about your agent preparing for this big release. Yeah. When you mean release, in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, this they're putting it out to the trades, they're doing that. But that's no. not really what's going on, right? Is they're just distributing it to the executives yes. that they have the contacts wide... with who are right. willing to read things. They submit them because your agent's built that relationship of trust that they're only going to send them quality product projects. Right. And then they're still going home. And it's, you know, any work, no matter how fun it is in the beginning, will eventually become a little monotonous at a point, yeah. right? Yeah. So I do this because I love TV. 30 years down the line, you're an executive making those decisions. I'm sure some people are looking for that, but some people are just burnout. Like, it's just... I got to be honest, even when I'm working on a TV show, and I'm, my job is to read scripts from, like, new writers that are on staff, uh, on our show, uh, you know... Some it's it can get boring for me if it's not done well. It can get boring, mm. and I think often then like, well, what? Imagine I complain about reading a half hour script. Imagine what it must be like for our lawyer having to dread through like you know like <laughs> heavy, really text heavy stuff, and they can't. It's not meant to be entertaining. The stuff that I read is meant to be entertaining, but sometimes, actually, often it's not. And man, it's just bad when you have to read something that's supposed to be entertaining, like a legal document. You know it's not going to be fun, but with something like a script, there's the expectation that this is going to be fun, and it's in many ways I think it might be even more disappointing if it's not because it's like then it really feels like homework, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so a couple other things that came up for me while you were going through that, um, I've heard you reference many times in our conversations and just you know private chats we've had about this, but also talking to other people on social media. You talk about how, and, and let me just back that up. So. That, and I probably mentioned this in the podcast before, so I apologize. We might get a little redundant with this, but I think this is still worth talking about because so many people have these questions where you're into this podcast now. Some people are going to hop right into this because it's specific to this topic. The very first spec script I wrote was a spec workaholics. And I remember I sent that to you and I got that feedback. This feels a little Frankenstein to me. And I was like, oh, this is just heartbreaking. I've just burned this bridge with this guy who's reading my script. But you gave me this piece of advice. You said, Start with the funniest thing you can think of. Don't save that for the le- for the end because they may never get there. You want to start with it. And I was like, immediately my gut, I'm like, but if it's the funniest thing I can think of, how do I make it funnier? <laughs> you got to think of something else. <laughs> and that's what is your point. It forces you to be better than that, right? Um, yeah. And so it seems like you're giving, giving that same advice is instead of saving it for act three, Put it on page one. What is the thing that you can start with? What's that thing that, that you call punching them in the mouth? Uh, is that advice accurate? Like, am I, am I yeah, no, that's exactly, I remember that. And it's also, another thing is you want to start the story sooner. Whatever you think that you hear, you'll get this note all the time. Uh, I don't like this, but you'll get this note all the time um, from an executive. Start the story sooner. And maybe you don't even know what that means and we talk about this in the course what exactly that means how to start a story sooner but Mm -hmm. you can never start it soon enough because you know people are not as interested as you think they are in what you're writing they're just not sorry and uh so you got to start it sooner and you got to i mean in comedy it's a little different but you want like when you want to smack them in the face with a with a joke but often you know you'll see this as well um 
on, on an action movie, though, like on a James Bond movie, they always start with some him flying out of jumping out of an airplane and doing something crazy. It's almost it's almost unnecessary. Yeah. It's a, but it's but it's like, man, you you're smacking the viewer right in the face. And then when that sequence is over, then James Bond gets called in for his first mission. But uh, it's the same kind of thinking. It's like, wake up, everyone. Yeah, it's a, we're we're thrown into the world of media. It's like Goldeneye, which was my favorite James Bond growing up as a kid because I was just the right age. It's literally him running up, jumping off of a dam and rappelling down into a secret base to see mm-hmm. stuff, right? Super cool. Guides you. Right. I've been listening to the Terminal List podcast, um, Terminal List by Jack Carr. It's a big action series on Amazon. I don't know if you've okay. paid no. much attention to that. Um, no. But that's one of the things that is an adaptation of a really popular book series Jack Harrow, the former Navy SEAL, but they talk about how they break their stories and they think about it in each episode, they do a deep dive. One of the, and the showrunners on there. And one of the things they talked about was that opening scene where you're like, literally it starts with them like getting an op and they're in a cave that's flooded and they're being pinned down and it is just nothing but action. And it's mm-hmm. funny because I was watching it with my 96 year old grandmother-in-law over Thanksgiving break and she got so bored about three minutes in just like it's nothing but shooting meanwhile i'm on the edge of my seat like super into it it wasn't for her not for her right so you got to start with with the genre and what the intent of the audience is right that was for me not for her but you know i also um as you know like i'm i love the writing uh of david sedaris and i was watching a master class that he did and he basically said the same thing when he writes his like his stories his essays is that he read several different versions of one story, the beginning of one story. He was never happy with the way it began. He didn't feel like it just grabbed you enough. And I was like, wow, I like all three of these. But, uh, but he, you know, it's just something we all have to worry. Like if you're worried about your reader or your audience, and you should be, or else they're not, or else they're going to get up and leave, uh, it's something you need to consider. And it's, it's not just the first line. It's the first page. You know, it's the first scene. It's the first sequence. Like you better, you know, because it, in today's world, Everyone's competing for your eyes, you yeah. know? Yeah. And um, attention spans going down. Last day I saw it two years ago. Mm-hmm. You could see a brand 17 times. You can see an advertisement for brand 17 times before you even recognized it as a brand. And wow, it, it used really, to be seven. It was 14 the year before that, right? Uh-huh. So, And I have to imagine that's in the 20s now. So mm-hmm. there's just so much stuff out there. People trying to take your attention that they're actively doing. I mean, look at the way trailers are done now. They don't start with enter and tell the story. It's like a bam, bam, explosion, action sequence for like five seconds, put up some factors or some reasons you should pay attention to this. And then it jumps into the normal trailer we would have seen back in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. They're yeah. competing too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's just, it may feel like a bummer to people, but it, the sooner you accept this, the more likely you're going to find, you're going to do well, you know? Yeah. So you talked about comedy, right? In comedy, you said smacking him in the mouth is a good joke, like a big joke. Yeah. Um, I know we talk a little bit about this in your course, but what about, like, what's advice you have in a way to consider that joke? Like, what's a good way to come up with that joke? And I understand that's a very nuanced question, right? Because yeah. it could be situational, it could be a moment, character, character, interpersonal things. How do you conceptualize that when you're writing a pilot with your writing partner? Um, I tried to say like often we've done a number of them where you, it's kind of a sex joke. It's over the line. You're just going up the line, maybe even crossing it, which is okay in a spec. You're not shooting this thing. So, uh, you know, especially for comedy, you're going to be read by comedy writers. 
So we don't get offended easily. So you can cross the, I feel you can cross the line. Uh, as long as it's funny, mm. you probably wouldn't shoot it. You probably wouldn't put it on, you know, put it on the air. But in terms of uh, making me wake up, that'll do it. Yeah, good, got it. Okay. Uh, so push, push the limits, right? Yeah. What if, yeah. what if you're concerned about misrepresenting yourself or the type of stuff that you write? Right. Like, so let's take someone who has a conservative background and they are right. afraid to put that type of blue joke out there, but they're well, trying to write for a, a blue script. Yeah. I mean, but even shows that are, that are like, let's just say any of those Tim Allen shows that skew yeah. conservative, you know, the writing staff is for sure mixed. If anything, it might lean yeah. towards left. And it's like, that's why we don't even, I, it's so silly with, with the guy putting my political agendas or writers. I thought we're not, you know, we're writing the agenda of what the character is, and uh, it's like so. I'll make a joke that might lean towards conservative. I certainly made many jokes like that on King of the Hill. I mean, Hank was very conservative. Like it doesn't. I'm speaking for the character, not for myself. So, uh, if you feel like, if you feel like you're conservative and you don't want to write jokes that make fun of you know, conservatives, well, you're kind of really, you're neglecting what your job is. Your job is to serve as the characters, not your, not your political leanings, you know? Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you. And it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watch list. Right. And we brought that up before. Um, Stephen King on writing says it's your job is to channel the character. You are not the character. And if you censor them, you are doing a disservice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, for character, do you consider, I mean, I have to imagine that you're displaying some form of character, like you're putting character on the page and you're informing us about that character with what's happening in this type of interaction. How much character are you trying to reveal on the first page? Or are you just trying to help us understand? Like, are you doing any world building in that page? Or is it really just putting us in a situation where we are going to make it where it's something that's going to make the reader pay attention because it catches them off guard? It's funny. Yeah. It's action. I'm not, I'm not really that whole world building thing. It's like, how, how interesting is that to watch? It might be interesting to create, but is it interesting to watch? So I always feel like the character. You have this character and the character kind of informs the story and the story informs the character. And so it's like, what's going on at this moment? And I'm not really, I'm less interested in painting the world of the other characters as so much as I'm like, let's just hook the, the reader for a second. Got it. But it is being guided by this character and the world they're in. And so that yeah. helps your joke. And that's kind of part of the problem. That's often why people say that the pilot episode is usually the worst episode out of the first 10 or whatever, because you do have to build this world. I understand that. And often you'll get tons of notes from executives who want you to do just that. They, it's very frustrating. It seems like they want you to preemptively answer every question that the audience could possibly ask, which is nuts to me, but that's just how they, that puts them at ease, um, at least in the so comedy world. This isn't necessarily the topic of this conversation, but for writers who are being told now to write pilots rather than specs as a writing sample, we're doing a lot of world building. I just had a conversation with one of the PAs on Tacoma FD yesterday 
Uh, we had about an hour drive back from dropping off a truck we were using. And that was our conversation. He's like, no, I'd be happy to just write and be a staff writer. I don't care to be the guy who's building or selling, um, you know, a pilot and being a showrunner. If that happens, awesome. But I'm not, I just want to be a writer. And here I am trying to do all this world building. Yeah, um, I agree with him. He's smart. He's smart. Yeah. But, uh, but there's always been that conversation of the premise pilot versus just a pilot, right? And it feels like in the world of today where we have to build a pilot, they're all kind of premise pilots, right? We're establishing the world and why we're entering this world and who these characters are rather than just throwing them into a scene in this not, world. Not really, because a premise pilot is it's a little, that's kind of a different discussion. That might be, I think I talked about this a while, a couple days ago. It was like, let's say your, your pilot is about... Uh, uh, a guy, okay, a, a, a guy who works on in Silicon Valley, one of these tech startup guys, and he's got a multi-billionaire, and he's living the life, and he's got the ladies, and he's, you know, working crazy hours and drinking Red Bull. You've seen this before. And then he loses all his money. Like, this, the company goes belly up. He can't get a job at another company because he's such a jerk. Everyone hates him. And so he's forced to go to do the one thing he swore he never would do, which is go back home and and you know, live with mom and dad. Okay, so if this were a premise pilot, you'd have all that stuff would happen, and then the final scene, the final shot of, of the pilot would be ding dong, hi mom, hi dad. Mm-hmm. And now he has to live in this world and, and interact with the characters, the girl he went to high school with, and the, the bully who used to beat him up, and that's the show, right? The show mm-hmm. is him living in the farm or whatever, the Silicon Valley guy living on the farm or whatever, the small town or whatever. Um, so the, that would be a premise pilot. But the problem with that is the premise pilot is completely different from the other 99 episodes of this show because you're living with all these characters, the tech world characters. But now in episode two, you're on the farm or in the small town and living with those characters. And so it almost feels like you have two very different shows. And so often they will, the note you'll, you'll get from it, some, some studios or networks don't want premise pilots for that reason. It feels like, well, this is not the show. And they're right. It isn't the show. Some, some don't care. So what you'll get is a note, which would be, you know, instead of that, instead of the last beat of the, sh- of the show, instead of that being ding dong, hi, mom and dad, that might be the first act break. Ding, the, ding dong, hi, right. mom, dad, I'm home. Or it might even be the middle of act one. You might have to move it up even faster. So that's not a premise pilot. Got it. So I've totally misunderstood what a premise pilot is yeah. for the last yeah. decade, because my understanding is if we, and, and I've always like, this doesn't make sense because if a premise pilot is putting us in the situation we're going into, isn't that every episode of every television show? Yeah. But what you're saying is no, just move it forward and it's make it part of the show. So this is our character. They fall into the situation just like they would any other episode. And again, mm-hmm. they do a really good job of breaking down what these story beats are and where these things fall and how to make them happen. By the way, totally not not prescriptive the way most people would think about structure. Just very clear understanding of these little temples need to happen in order for us to carry us through this and we can yeah. pepper in all the stuff in between. Uh, so that's hugely helpful to me. And I'm assuming it's going to be helpful to other people listening to this episode because yeah. like dang, I've totally had that wrong for a long time. It's been a point of frustration for me. Yeah, because so. um, you're right. I mean, every pilot is, you have to you set up the premise, but when they say premise pilot, that's kind of what they mean. Got it. Okay, awesome. So on that first page, what's, uh, this is something I thought was really interesting, and I, I guess I questioned this for a while. Mm-hmm. 
there's this great article by uh, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio on their website, Word Player, which I talk about all the time, but it's a great resource. It's been around for forever. The AOL message boards back in the late 90s and early 2000s. But it's their archives of that stuff. And one of the things they talk about, they wrote Pirates of the Caribbean and Shrek and Aladdin and all those other films that most people in my generation grew up with. But they talk about point of view. And I never thought about this until I read this article, but they take Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, who's the protagonist of Pirates of the Caribbean? I think most people might say, well, it's Jack or it's Will, right? Uh, but their point of point is, no, it's who do we open with? And they open with Elizabeth Swan on the boat, and she's really the protagonist of the whole story. These other characters are just characters populating that world that she's in. Mm. How much do you think about that? Like, do you always start with your protagonist because you give that advice you know we're here to see the star right do you start with you know and you don't write a lot of genre like the bad guy can we start with their point of view to kind of set up this intrigue to then move us into that world that's something i've thought of a lot too yeah i mean i think you can make that decision for yourself but the truth of the matter is if you got a big star and you want to get him or her onto screen as soon as possible you know Mm -hmm. uh generally because that's where they're, that's, that's, that's the magic. That's the star. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're even the most interesting character. There was, I remember yeah. one of the things about Die Hard, uh, like, like Franz, uh, Hans, what was his name? Hans, Hans Gruber. The, Hans Gruber was like, you know. Best at, Christmas movie. And then fight me anybody if you don't think it's a Christmas movie. And he was like this great small character. And yet he kind of stole the show. The character is so fascinating. And I, you know, um, so it's not like, it's not like this, the hero is necessarily the most fascinating character. Often right. the villains are But we still start with him on the plane. Right. John. Yeah. I mean, I think you want to know whose story we're following, you know, okay. so that doesn't mean you can't have a cold open setting up a crime. And then we, that the first scene is always that the crime happens and the next scene we're at the detective's office and he's trying to figure out, okay, here's my assignment of the day. That's fine. Got it. Uh, no Country for Old Men, right? It starts with this scene where the bad guy's being arrested and then he's in jail and then he mm-hmm. strangles the cop and then he steals the car and then he, you know, then he kind of goes on this rampage. But it's not about him, right? It's about Josh Brolin's character. So yeah. that's another it's... example of that really interesting bad guy, but yeah. equally it, interesting protagonist. It's really hard. I know this is not really what we're planning on talking about, but it, it's really hard to have a psychopath as your as your main character because that character is so off the wall you know you want you you want to root for this person and you know he's that guy was a murderer and a psychopath yeah. it, it it's not that it can't be done dexter did it I mean, dexter he, did it right but he had moral values that were embedded in him by his father and that that moral compass that jim and cricket is there being his conscious right. throughout the whole episode so you have to, but the truth is you have to humanize that character. You have to move and him slowly towards the center. People, he kills bad guys. So we're okay right. with it. Right? And so he wasn't really, when you think about Dexter, really wasn't a psychopath. Uh, he was. He's, he's Batman. A, yeah, he's, he's Batman, he's, right. All right. He's okay. vigilante. So the, as, I, the reason I ask this is because like, you know, that page one, are we starting with that character? Is that a requirement? You know, the mm. pilot that we reviewed on this script, which is available in episode 33, the one that I wrote, it doesn't start with um, our protagonist. It starts with the bad guy, but it's like three quarter, you know, it's seven eighths of a page. And then we jump into the bad guy. Into but then still on page one, you want to make that page one super interesting. And you want to make that if you have a, a crime that you're that's going to happen on the first two pages, you got to make it really interesting and, and not by the book. 
so that people are still grabbed by this. So, you know, if it's something we've seen before a hundred times, that crime, no one's going to make it to page two when we finally meet the detective or whoever's supposed to fight the crime, you know? You got to grab them on page one. Right. Um, How much, and I imagine this is just the nature of how we write as writers, but how much of the writer's point of view or their voice do you need to see in that page? And and I think that's coming from two ways, two things. One, I'm a writer trying to get people to read this thing to get it made. And two, you're a showrunner reading a script. How much are you looking at a writer's capacity and voice on that first page? So that's so hard because it's like, if you're if you're being hired as a staff writer on an existing show, we don't care. You, you don't need a voice. You, we mm. need you to capture the voice of the show. You need to be a mimic, and so that's why it's so unfair that you have to write these spec scripts uh, to get a job. It's just that's how it is. Uh, but if you were to write an original movie or original pilot, then your voice is really important. And two things like I, there are two shows I think really do this very well. Uh, the the um, the great, the great, uh, which is the Catholic great show. Like that has such a unique voice on that show. The same thing with uh, White Lotus. It's such a unique voice. It's not, it's not written the way, it's not by the, it's not written the way I think other, I don't know, less uh, less idiosyncratic writers would write that show. It's it's so unique. I find the voice of it, uh, and so that's wonderful. And that tone is so interesting. Uh, Catherine, the, the, the great show is very heightened. It's very like, it's almost theatrical. And it's almost like I don't buy any of it, except all the characters in this world live in that heightenedness. And so it's like, okay, in that world, everyone's just a little bit bananas. And then because of that, you can kind of believe it. I mean, you can believe it, even though in reality, that's not how they would have acted because they're just not that, people aren't that nuts. But that uh, that's why I think that show is so brilliantly written. Same thing with uh, with with White Lotus. He, Mike White is so specific at the with the way he writes scenes. It's um, uh, you know I think that's what makes it so it makes it stand out. But the problem is that just takes years and years of practice and training, and yet the new writer is supposed to be able to do this right out of the gate. It just seems so unfair. Yeah, and that, that was and a, it, go ahead. What, well, and that's and the reason why it's on. It's not really. It's not intended to be unfair. It's just because the market is so, it, it, everything's so spread out that there's no one hit show anymore. It's not like there's four networks and you know a couple dozen shows. There's a billion platforms, so no one's watching the same show. It's so unusual for there to be a show that everyone's watching. Maybe like White Lotus or or Stranger Wednesday, Things. Or Wednesday is the new thing that everyone's Wednesday, watching right? On Netflix, right? right. And um, so. It, that's what that's what makes it hard for new writers. I feel it. it's just the way it is now. That was the bulk of that conversation I had with that PA. He's just, and he's a very talented writer. I've read some of his stuff, and you know, he's. I would say he's pretty close to at least the quote caliber that I am, or the skill set that I have. Uh, but his biggest frustration is like, I'm doing this thing that I will never do again, other than, you know, I get the opportunity to sell something. So, you know, as far as page one goes, just kind of summarize what we've been talking about. You have to make it stand out. It needs to be super interesting. Um, starting with your protagonist is helpful because we get an idea of who they are and they're going to inform that situation. But the biggest thing is grab attention to get them to keep reading, to keep turning the page. Yeah. And sometimes people say, you got to hook them. And, but no one knows what that means, really. And I feel, like, I feel like I do know what that means. When people say you got to hook them, I think people are always thinking of a gimmick. Uh, how do I trick people? How do I... What's the hook? What's the gimmick, right? But 
to me, the hook means how do I hook people into the story? And that, that means starting the story quick enough. And I, we talk about this in the course. Start, once the story starts, we are hooked. That's just it. You don't need to trick me. We're hooked. So yeah, Got that's it. what hook means to me. And, and you did that uh, when you talk about story, you talk about the three elements of story, which we've talked about on the podcast before, but you have that first lesson from your course available for free to everyone. And it does talk mm -hmm. about those three elements. Yeah. And so, you know, those three elements, which I won't spoil because I think it's worth going through the presentation that you give in that free lesson, uh, michaeljammon.com slash free for anyone who's interested in that. Yeah. Incredibly, incredibly important stuff. Um, and you, you phrase it in a way too that they didn't, they weren't even capable of phrasing it in film school. And these are like WGA writers who are teaching some of these classes. And I asked that question and I gave them your definition and they literally put it into their lesson plans because they just had refined that thought. Yeah, it's easy to understand that way. So, yeah. so those three elements, when the story starts, is it one of those elements, two, three of those elements, or is it, what, what do you consider that to be from, from that? It's all three of those elements. The audience has to identify consciously or subconsciously those three things and you'll get it in the free lesson. Uh, but it's all those three things. And, okay. um, and then, this, and it was just the same thing. I was reading, uh, my daughter, she's in college and she's writing, you know, taking creative writing classes. She goes, what do you think of this? And she gave me this piece and, and I really enjoyed it. But I go, it's starting too late. It's starting on page four. You've got to start it earlier. And she understood exactly what I meant. And then she showed me the next draft. I go, oh, this is much better. And it's the same. It's very similar. It's just, but the story's moved up earlier. Now I'm hooked. Yeah. So, so that, that goes back to the thing you said basically at the top of the podcast, right? Which is start it sooner get to yeah. it faster and yeah. the way you get to it it is story mm -hmm. oh, yeah oh, awesome I, I think that's incredibly powerful and important feedback or advice to people yeah. i learned a ton in today's episode good uh, thanks i learned man. something too i learned something too <laughs> i learned how to love <laughs> <laughs> well great any any other thoughts or, or feedback on uh, first page things you it, I mean, yeah what one thing i think that would be super helpful not to interrupt your thought, like okay. for you, is there anything specific you're looking for on that first page? Like, is there anything that, or do you have an example of something that really stood out to you at some point when you were reading a script? It's not like, I, I don't want you to think that it should be offensive and it should be distasteful. Uh, you want to <laughs> find what the, find, this is hard, find what the line is, go right up to it. Uh, but don't pull any punches. I guess that's what I'm saying is like, you know, don't, don't think, well, don't think, well, would they really put this on the air? Like, duh, 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 duh. You don't need to worry about that. You don't need to be the network censor. There are people who get paid to do that. Your job is to impress the reader. Don't worry about uh, if it's going to get shot or made. It's not. That's not what the job of your script is. The job is to just make my the reader's eyes open. That's it. They could always pull it back. Yeah, great. Anything else? That's it. What else we got? What are we plugging, Phil? What are we promoting? Yeah, obviously the watch list growing leaps and bounds. I think people are really, really like yeah. that. Uh, three important lessons for the week: video content that you put out there. Uh, it's just sent to your inbox every Friday. You can sign up at michaeljammon.com/watchlist. We've yeah. talked about the free lesson: michaeljammon.com/free. Um, your paper orchestra show, which I got to see recently, yeah. uh, powerful. Yeah really moving stuff and you know some something that really did make me think about the way that i engage with my family based on one of the stories you told that 
was obviously mm-hmm. very personal to you. And I don't want to spoil that for anyone who ever gets the opportunity to experience that live. Uh, very beautiful. Uh, my wife loved it and she's not one for theater. So yeah, that's high praise from, that is high from praise. Um, Go, so anyone, yeah, if you, I'll be touring with that. So if anyone wants to find out what city I'm going to be in, they go to michaeljammon.com slash upcoming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's great. And then obviously you have the, the course that we talk about all the time. And, yeah. and for me, more beautiful feedback coming in every single day, basically into the, uh, yeah, into the nice. support email about what they're learning and how they're improving things. I mean, we had someone who set up with the course said that because of the course, they um, are probably getting, and, and I, you know, I hate celebrating probably's, but yeah. he, he was very ecstatic that his conversations about being a PA on another show that he loves is more likely to happen because of the way he was able to talk about things because of the course so yeah it's it's interesting you know because it, it's not cheap and i still find i still get people writing me after they buy it after they go through it thanking me which is so mm-hmm. nice it's like they're paying for it they're paying yeah. for it. it's not cheap but i do think we you know we make we give them their money's worth and then some i think you know yeah so yeah, absolutely i again the course i wish i had absolutely recommend it to every single person who's listening uh, michaeljammon.com slash course to learn more about that yeah. Michael, thanks again. Wonderful, wonderful episode with lots of really powerful insights. I think it reminds me of some of the earlier episodes we did that were like really deep in the process, which for me is always fun conversation. So thank yeah. You. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, stay tuned next week. We'll be dropping more episodes. All right. Be well. Bye. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. If you'd like to support this podcast, Please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.